This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It hits me. This is my last Sunday being in the 50s. So you guys, I'll come strolling in here next week and say, Pastor, so much wiser now. Bless all of you. I'm glad to see you here. If you're watching by live stream, we're, we're glad you're with us. We pray that you're healthy and whole. You know, we got a lot of people that God has worked in their physical bodies. We've seen miracles. We've seen people healed and set free. So I believe God will do that for you today. If you got a Bible, go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. This is our series here on the blessing. So we're going to start with our main scripture text for the last couple months. And if you're a good note taker, get ready. I believe that God's going to inscribe some things, not only on your paper, but in your heart today. Number 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, when you really get into what he told Moses to tell him through Aaron, he starts there in verse 24 and says, the Lord bless you. And if you looked at the very end of verse 27, it says, and I will bless them. So to start this, it's, it's like there's bookends. The Lord wants to bless you. And so when I see the way this, this prayer, this declaration starts, I, I get real quick God's nature is to bless. He wants to bless every one of us in here. And and when I talk about the word bless, it's it's more than happiness. It's more than fortunate to be enviable. It's a hope and a joy that's independent as far as my outward circumstances. So God wants to bless every one of us in here. I don't care who you are. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit further today. Turn with me to the book of Genesis 32. We'll go to Genesis 32, then the First Chronicles 4. Genesis 32. Now, as you're turning there, when we read that prayer that we just talked about, I, I got I to do that in an element of faith, okay? I got to believe that God, God wants to bless me. God wants to keep me. God, God wants his face to shine upon me. And so I don't care who you are. This, this is for you today. This is God's desire for everyone of us. But again, you got to believe you receive that. Actually, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So I play a part in this, okay? Now, as we get here into Genesis 32, this is a passage about a guy named Jacob. Remember, Jacob's father was Isaac, and he had an older son or an older brother named Esau. In their custom, the older brother was supposed to get the birthright or the blessing. But in this passage, Jacob tricks him. And so Jacob gets the blessing from God. And so Jacob has run from his brother for years and years and years. And so this is kind of where we're picking up. I'm going to read one verse, and I'm going to dig in this a little farther. Genesis 32, verse 12. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for for multitude. Now, one translation says, but you promised to do good to me. You promised that you would prosper me. 
Now, if you really like to read in the scriptures, if you want to dig into that verse right there, it's, it's Genesis 28, verses 13 through 15. It gets real precise what it said. So with this thought right here, Jacob's saying, you promised to bless me. You promised to do me good. Now, same chapter, pick up with me in verse 22. And Jacob arose that night, and he took his two wives, Rachel and Leah, and his two female servants, Bill and Zilpah, and his 11 sons, and he crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had or all his possessions. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, most believe in translations in this that this was an angel that wrestled with him. And if we read this accurately, it happened all night until the breaking of dawn. So watch what happens here. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So when I begin to read this, I begin to think, so did all this take place to cause Jacob to quit or to give up? Did this wrestling match cause him to get to a place where he tapped out and said, man, I'm done. And, and that may be a, a highlight of your life right now. Have you given up? Have you quit? Have you tapped out in, every, in areas of your life? And if you have, God's still doors open. He still welcomes you back in. So his hips out of socket, and we read in verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks or it's dawn. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so what you see right here was Jacob's willingness to contend for this blessing. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm settling for nothing less than the inheritance that you promised me. And so right here, he's, he's getting over to me and you that there's times in my life, in your life, you're going to have to contend with tenacity for the things of God. It may not be easy and it may not happen overnight, but don't give up. Do you know the Lord said in Matthew 7, 7, he said, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, and keep on asking. So right here with Jacob in this, this situation, there needs to be a spirit of perseverance on us. And I'm going I'm to persevere. I'm going to persist. I'm not going to allow the enemy to cause me to tap out. I'm going to stay with it. All the blessings of God, you're going to have to fight. And how we fight? We fight the good fight of faith, okay? Now turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. You're going to keep going to your right. You're going to go through the Samuels, the Kings, and then you're going to cruise right into 1 Chronicles, and we're going to 1 Chronicles 4. Now I tapped into this years ago, and when I get to where we're going in this this is a, a personal blessing that I believe is highlighted for every one of us in this room. I don't care who you are. But I believe it's something you ought to speak, you ought to declare over your life every day. Now, if we were to take 
the first nine books of First Chronicles 9. It's the family tree or the genealogy of every tribe that comes out of Israel. And so it will say stuff like this. And this guy begot this guy, and this guy begot this guy, and this guy begot this guy. And before long, you know what you want to do? You want to fall asleep. You want to take a nap. But there was significance in all these names because a lot of the, the prestigious offices that they'd have an opportunity to walk in, they were hereditary, and so this is what this talks about. So if you go to 1 Chronicles 4, you'll highlight here, this says it's, it's of the tribe of Judah. When you study the tribe of Judah, Judah was out of the, or Jesus was out of the bloodline of the tribe of Judah. And so as you begin to walk in this, the first eight verses, it's name after name after name. And there's some crazy names in here. Names you don't want to name your children after, okay? Don't do it. But when you get to verse 9, in verse 9 and 10, in those two verses... There's some incredible kingdom knowledge in here. And one translation even talks in this sense that this is how you break the curse over your life. Verse 9. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was a man of honor. And his mother called his name Jabez. Now, the literal translation of Jabez means he will cause pain. So a person and his name in the Old Testament were intimately related. So when they named something, they named, or they named a child, they named that child with purpose. So how would, your, how would you like if your name meant he will cause pain? So it'd be like every time I addressed you, I'm really, instead of saying Jabez, I'm saying, hey, you who will cause pain. Now, how would you like that negative potential to follow you all the days of your life? And so it literally says here, she called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. You know, when I think about this with every one of us in here, you may have a name that has, has a negative potential. Some of you may have a nickname that has negative potential. And I believe every one of us in here, because of some of the events in our lives, we have labels of our life that are very negative. Maybe people call you a thief. Maybe they say about you, he's, he's a man of anger. He's a man of anger. He's, he's a hateful Christian. But I believe every name every label, every circumstance that tries to identify your life is just identity baggage. And we serve a God that can change every bit of that. And so this is what begins to take place in this story about Jabez, okay? Verse number 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. The very first thing he does is he prays. He petitions the God of Israel. And to be a Christian without prayer is very similar to being alive without breathing. I've got to become a person of prayer. 
And so he petitions God and he says, he, he prays to the God of Israel. Now in John 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through the Son. For me to address the Father as a New Testament Christian, I've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. You can pray all you want, but if you're not praying to the Father in the name of Jesus as a son or daughter of his, your prayers aren't going to get off the ground. But when I read this right here, that the very first thing he did was he prayed. Now off of that, let me ask, how do you view prayer? Do you view it as, wow, what a privilege, what an opportunity? Because a lot of times when people pray, they have the thought, well, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. We've tried everything else, so let's just pray. But prayer shouldn't be our last resort. It should be our first. And I highlight this because this guy whose name was Will Cause Pain, he goes to God to pray, to petition, to say, Father God, I need your intervention in this. Can, can you imagine God in heaven when we, when we think, well, all we can do is pray now. He's thinking, well, so prayer is your, your last resort. They're actually going to pray. And so he says, he calls on the God of Israel. And look at the very next thing he said. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now on five different times, you're going to see direct references that he said, would you do certain things for me? And everything this guy named Jabez asked God to do for him He's looking to God to do it. And so he said, would you bless me indeed? Would you really, really bless me truly, certainly? And when I read this, he didn't say, just a little dab will do me. No, literally he said, bless me a bunch. Bless me a lot. James 4.2 says this. You have not because you ask not. So I think about this in that statement right there that James made. How many things have we forfeited in our life because we just won't pray? And we won't pray with a persistence. Keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. And so he asked for a bunch right here. His prayer was, was reverent, it was, but it was also bold. And I think a lot of times we have this thought, well, because my name is I will cause pain, or you have labels in your life that aren't so good, you have the thought, well, I, I'm not a candidate for God to bless me. My labels and my circumstances keep God from desiring to bless me. Well, let me tell you something, your labels and your circumstances aren't bigger than God. And our God's design and his desire and his nature has always been to bless. God wants to bless you. And so the first thing he says, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge 
my territory. Expand my territory. In other words, you know what he's saying? I'm living large for God. I want more of an impact. I want more of an influence. I want to expand my opportunity to make a mark for you, Father God, to touch more lives for your glory. Now, when I pray that and I have the right motives and the right heart, I think God loves it. Lord, expand my territory. Enlarge my opportunities. You know, I had a friend who was a praise and worship leader of a church in Southern California. Church ran 30,000 on Sundays. About 15 years ago, I had the opportunity to to meet the pastor of that church. He, He was a man in his 70s at the time. And the church he pastored was very, very poor. But this guy had a passion to, to reach every person with salvation. And people would come to the altars. This, this was the guy that I got six hours of tapes on just on his altar calls. It moved me so much his altar calls. Well, I got around this pastor, and he began to share with me that he said that every Sunday that the people would come down to the altars to get born again, he he said, I I would get so moved by it. But he said, "I, I met this man one day who told me how blessed he was. And he said, I didn't know who him and his wife were. And he said, all of a sudden, these these massive tithes started coming to the offering." And I said, I kept asking people, who is this who's given this? And one day after a service, he met the guy and he realized, that's the guy. And he said to him, he said, I appreciate what you've done here for us to be able to fund the gospel here. And this man looked at him and said, you haven't seen nothing yet. He said, I'm believing God that God will expand every form of business that I have all over Southern California. And he said, I want to see people born again. And he said, this guy started coming to church with five other huge businessmen in Southern California. And he said, they would all sit in the balcony of my church. And he said, when the altar call would come and the hundreds of people that would come to get born again, he said, I would see them up there. And he said, they would all be grabbing for Kleenexes because they would begin to weep at all the people that were coming. He said, I never knew for years why they would never sit on the main floor. They would always sit up there. But you know what they found out? As this man said to him, he said, I never felt worthy to sit on the main floor. He said, I was called to be a blessing to this church. And a man who said, Lord, enlarge my territory. And every time I heard that, I can tell you, God's not against enlarging your territory when it's for the kingdom. God wants to bless you. He goes on to say that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. And the hand was always symbolic of, of power and presence. 
And what I find out about God, dependence on God makes heroes out of ordinary people. And so this guy whose name was, I will cause pain, he said, I need the touch of the Father's greatness. I need your hand to be upon me. I need your hand to lead me and guide me. What would happen if we begin to pray that on a, uh, on a daily basis? Lord, put your hand upon me. The hand of the Father. His next one, he says, and that you would keep me from evil. A supernatural protection. A personal protection. Kind of like Psalms 91, that he dwells in the secret place, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But he said that you would protect me from evil. You know, many of you have prayed this, and you may not even realize that, but in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 14 is the Lord's Prayer. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right here on earth as it is in heaven, give me this day my daily bread, and forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Matthew 6, 13. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. The Passion Translation says this way, rescue us every time we tr face tribulation and set us free from evil. In other words, direct my steps away from evil and grace me today, Lord, that I don't yield to my temptations. This was this guy's prayer. Evidently, he had some issues with evil in his life. And I find this out with the enemy. He doesn't go after your strengths. He goes after your weaknesses. Now, I'd be willing to bet right now. I'm not going to put you on the, the spotlight. But if I asked John what your weaknesses, he could probably tell me pretty quick. And if John said, well, Pastor, what's your weaknesses? I could tell him pretty quick. But I pray today, Father God, that you grace me, that I don't yield to my temptations and keep me from the evil one. Now, this was his prayer. And, and the last one that he says here is that I may not cause pain. Now, this was a guy whose name was, you will cause pain, but now he's asking our Heavenly Father that you would grace me that I don't cause pain. How many of any here have ever caused pain? I've caused pain. I've caused pain to my own life. I've caused pain to my parents. I've caused pain to my wife. I've caused pain. And there's some of you in here, you're going to cause pain. Some of you need to break up with the friends you're, you're running with, okay? Some of you are addicted to stupid people. Break your addiction, okay? Ask God to grace you. And I can say that because I was addicted to stupid people. I caused pain. And this is a guy who said, Father God, grace me that I don't cause pain. And I don't know about you, but that, that's one of the highlights of this prayer to me. I say this on a daily basis. Father God, I ask you today to bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. Your hand be upon me. You keep me from evil and that I don't cause pain. I don't want to cause pain anymore. 
Now look how this prayer ends. So God granted him what he requested. Oh, happy day. God granted him what he requested. God did it. Jabez prayed and he asked him, but God did it because I believe God was the center of Jabez's life. And he said, Father God, I need your intervention. I need your help. So what would happen in your life and my life if I begin to pray, but I begin to believe God? Father God, I need this to happen in my life. A life that is marked by God's blessing. Where everything in your life and my life that has blessing, that has success, that has prosperity, every one of those areas are tagged at the wind. And God did it. And God did it. Look, look what my God did. Look what God's doing. And again, we still take a God who takes messes and makes miracles. But God does it. But too many times, we have no expectation. And so when I read this, you know what Jabez does for me? He raises my level of expectation. Your life will follow your expectation. What you expect is what you'll get. And so what happens many times in our lives, you think little, then you'll believe little. You believe little, you'll speak little. You speak little, you'll expect little, and guess what? You'll ultimately receive little. You know what Jabez is saying? Raise your level of expectancy. Do you, do you really believe this? Oh, I do. I believe every bit of it. I believe every bit. Do you know the Lord said in, in through the apostle Peter in, in Acts 10, 34, he said, God's no respecter of persons. So what he did with this guy whose name I'll cause pain, he granted everything he requested. Turn back to your left, the second Kings chapter two. Second Kings chapter two. Now, this is going to stir within you, okay? If you hadn't been stirred yet, you're going to get stirred a little bit. We're going to stretch your expectation a little bit, okay? So where we're at here in second Kings you got two prophets. I'm going to be careful to say they were the greatest because that would just be opinion. But you got the older one named Elijah and the younger one named Elisha. Now I'm going to start reading and then we'll fill in the blanks a little bit of what's going on here. 2 Kings 2 verse 9. And so it was when they, Elijah and Elisha, had crossed over, they crossed over the Jordan River, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask. Now, I'm reading out the New King James Version. It says, ask, exclamation point, ask. You know what Elijah's saying, Elisha? I double dog dare you. Ask, ask. You have not because you ask not. He said, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Now, literally what's going on here is this guy named Elijah, he, gets, he knows he's getting ready to die and go to heaven. He's getting ready to say, hostile lasagna, I'm out of here. I'm crossing over. 
I don't know about you, what, what a fun way to know you're leaving the earth. Get all your kids and your grandkids around and great-great-grandkids and in my case, great-great-great-grandkids. Lay my hands on all of them and say, now, daddy, poppy, whatever you want to call me, he's checking out. See all of you on the other side. He said, what do you want from me before I go? Now just think Elijah's standing before you. And he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want from me? Well, you know, I want your cowboy boots. I want your Harley. I want your golf clubs. See, oftentimes when we think of inheritance, we think of physical things. I want your gold in your shop. I want your bank account. But look what Elisha asked for. Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Whoa! Whoa! The godly man you were, the holy man you were, I want a double portion of the anointing. I want a double portion of the Spirit of God. I want a double portion of, of your power. I want a double portion of your, the presence of God to come upon me. Whoa! Man, when I read this, you know what gets in me? I got to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit. I, I need some fire in me. I need some Holy Spirit fire. Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. You've asked a difficult thing. And I love that before he responded, he didn't look at him and say, you need to shut up, you little fool. He said, what you ask is a difficult or a hard thing. Not impossible, but a hard or a difficult thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And so literally what I think he's saying here is, if you can see it, you can be it. If you can dream it, if you can visualize it in your heart and your mind, if you can get some spiritual eyes and begin to see those things, you can have it, you can walk in it. I believe this is for every one of us in this room. And I know there's some of you in here, you've had big dreams about the things of heaven. How many of you had incredible dreams? And sometimes what happens is when those dreams don't come on our timetable, we quit contending. We give up. And that dream lies in an incubator just waiting to be hatched, just waiting for someone to say, I can dream it. I can think it. And what I found out in, in all our lives that, that I'm going to act in accordance to what I think and what I see through my, my heart and my eyes. And, and I stir you back up in here. Don't, don't limit God. If you can see it. See how many of you have dreamed dreams and how many of you have had visions about the things of the kingdom of God. 
Let those come back to life again. Let that stir back within you today where it's a passion. Do you know at the age of 21, I had crazy dreams. And years went on and years went on and they didn't happen. And 19 years later, those dreams began to happen. And I believe that's for every one of us. God's got dreams for you. But you got to see it with the eyes of faith. Don't give up on your belief and don't give up on your speaking. Don't give up on your expecting because we serve a God that still does extreme makeovers. We serve a God that he still, he still uncovers your true self and image if you'll allow him to. But my expectation's down here. What would happen if we raise it up here? Now, I'm going to give you an analogy that I believe will help you today. I would venture to say that every one of us in here knows who Patrick Mahomes is. And so let's just pretend that Patrick Mahomes came in here in early August before the season began. And we said, what's your goal for the team this year? And he looked us in the eye and he said, to win another Super Bowl. We would not look at him and say, you arrogant fool. Who do you think you are? You ought to just be happy if you don't have a losing season. No, if, if he didn't say my expectations were to win the Super Bowl, we would all think, what's wrong with him? But when believers believe the limit in the sky is there and I can have whatever, we get mad. And then if we ask him his individual goal, what's your individual goal? And he said, uh, my goal is to be the MVP. I wouldn't kick him in the seat of his pants and say, you shouldn't think like that. If he looked and said, you know what, I'm just going to be mediocre Joe. I'm going to play for the Cowboys because they're me. No, I better not say that. See, I can use a sports analogy, and we get all that. I, I mean, it's like Tiger Woods on the golf course. What's your goal today is to win the tournament. Well, you shouldn't think that highly of yourself. You ought to just be glad you get a play. Well, we're not all playing for a sixth-place ribbon, okay? We all don't get trophies. It's the ones who step out and begin to believe God and say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. And this is what I get from Jabez. Raise your expectation. This is what I get from Elijah. He said, come on, dude. If you can see it, you can be it. You can have it. Somebody else could stand on your feet today. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.